this is the whole kind of cycle of things. People, we get business from open source because people use, use it and trust us and reach out. But also we open source uh, things we came up with for solving client problems. Hey, before we get started, I'd like to remind you the full episode is only available to our paid subscribers. The current platforms you can subscribe to us on are Patreon, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. In the full version of this episode, we talk to Irina about leading a team of open source superstars and, of course, all of our tooltips for the week. And with that, let's get on to the episode. Hello, welcome to the DevTools FM podcast. This is a podcast about developer tools and the people who make them. I'm Andrew Lazowski, and this is my co-host, Justin. Hi, everyone. Um, today, we're very excited to have Irina uh, Nazarov. So Irina is the uh, CEO of Evil Martians, um, which is uh, a consultancy, but largely just this great great source in the open source space in particular. So if you've used tools like PostCSS, you've used their work. Um, and I'm so excited to have you on, Irina. Uh, really excited to sort of dig into some of these things. But before we uh, get started, would you like to tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. I'm the CEO of Evil Martians and actually tried many different things. Uh, so before, before that, uh, and I can't say that I have a single profession, you know, that is, that I've been doing my whole life. Um, so like coming from different things, I worked for JP Morgan Investment Bank at some point. Uh, before that, I worked as a C++ engineer. Um, after that, I started a startup and then I learned Ruby on Rails and uh, like there are many things and I worked as a studio photographer as well um, so was just uh, I think trying out different things but then eventually it all um, I think came together at Evil Martians where um, I'm I enjoy working with engineers and building developer tools and building open source um, but also working with startups and businesses and uh, this side of things. Yeah. Yeah. So early in your career, it seemed like you'd bounce between a lot of domains. You've like, I was looking at your LinkedIn and you like, you're developing here. You did JP Morgan. You, you started a few startups. Uh, so I just want to dig into that a little bit before we go on. Uh, so like, what did you do at JP Morgan? Like what, like led you there? I just find it interesting that you worked at a bank. It's not usual that our guests have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, uh, I was, okay, I was young and uh, I was um, interested in this whole, you know, uh, fancy uh, invest banking stuff. Um, and that's, uh, so I went to intern at the investment bank itself. And then I went on to become a, an equity research analyst. So this is where you kind of forecast uh, what's happening with companies, public companies. That's actually a useful skill if you think about it from the entrepreneurship kind of perspective, because you want to be able to forecast some some scenarios and some things. So it's, it was useful, I'd say, but um, clearly 
uh, I was, I think, wrong thinking of myself as an investment banker. <laughs> um, <laughs> of, of the like thinking that I would be motivated enough, I think, to to stay. Um, and because I'm motivated by building things much more than by looking at things, analyzing things. That's uh, it's a cool story. So something that I would like to to just sort of ask about. So you said, you know, at Evil Martians now, you're 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 obviously this the leader of this organization, sort of helping, you know, foster and grow this company. Um, but you're also really interested in building, you know, you're a driven creator. Um, those can be two different hats, you know, figuring out like, you know, how, how much time do I spend just like trying to help this organization survive? And mm -hmm. how much time do I like give myself to express some sort of creative outlet. So how do you, how do you sort of balance those two roles? That's true. That's so true. <laughs> All right. Um, you could say there are more hats um, even, uh, but okay, I have this. So the same thing happens with the other sort of leaders in this company. Like I have head of backend, head of frontend. They are all, all amazing builders and creators. And my um, the idea is this, this organization is uh, kind of benefits from leaders that are builders themselves so much. And this helps us, uh, you know, continue solving sometimes problems that maybe we don't really want to be solving, you know, different organizational level uh, obstacles and uh, stuff like that. But uh, I think we are coming up with something that is better than um, knowing that we're also building things in parallel. We're also launching different things. We're also supporting each other. So I like, actually, I like this kind of um, the ideas that we are wearing both of those hats and contributing to this organization that is not so large, right? We are like 50 people, but uh, it's important. It's an important one. So we want to make it, uh, you know, successful, resilient, and make people who work here at the Martians uh, like happy and fulfilled. So uh, just a little bit more on the, the early career. What was your first step into leadership? And uh, how, how did that experience form you and uh, your experiences going into your Evil Martians? Yeah, it's a cool question. Um, I think starting the startup was how I learned uh, this leadership track because you could say nobody nobody can maybe make you a leader right uh, so you risk yourself something like that um, and well probably there there is a path where okay you start in a company as an analyst then you go on to can become and then like eight years later you are what like a director at JP Morgan uh, boring <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> No, like lo loads of money. But anyways, um, uh, I just uh, left and started a startup. And um, well, 
I'd say it was like an like MBA for for myself, where my, like your, my first startup and my first angel investors were essentially uh, like paying for my education, you could say, because um, like well, to be honest, it was it was a good one. I mean, we had some amazing results, but still, um, I shut it down. I shut it down eventually, but uh, I think I learned um, a lot there. That's what this was the, the first uh, the first step, and uh, but I grew into CEO at the Martians um, within the company. Uh, so I think it was four years since I joined till I became the CEO, and it was probably a different process because this organization is much larger than the startups I had. And it's you could say it's an it, it's also sixteen years old uh, now, so it's on a different um, stage, um, like of a sort of business you know life cycle, and this means being the CEO here is a much it's a different role than being the early stage like early days of a startup CEO and founder, but. Um, yeah, I could maybe, you know, tell just a little bit about um, some of those kind of revelations. Um, for example, well, I started as a manager working with clients. And as a manager, I don't know, um, like you are constantly sort of bombarded with different tasks. So, I mean, there's so many tasks and like you want to be helpful, right? You want to be helpful here and there and everywhere. And you end up running those sort of even like errands, someone's uh, someone's uh, requests all day long, and this is at some point you realize that this is all you do, and and then you start sort of reflecting and thinking: Is it the best work? Is it the best thing? Is it the most important um, and kind of highest you know value, whatever thing that I could do? Right, because if you think about this, some of those requests are relatively random, because someone just thought about something and asked you, and it doesn't have to be highest priority. It's just that you know someone asked you something. That's it, and so you have to. So I started taking sort of control over that. You know, started thinking what is the highest priority, and then maybe there is something that is high priority that is not mentioned anywhere, because and it's not even discussed anywhere. And why? Because uh, it is so deep or the problem is so large that people are not ready to discuss it, something like that. So this is how I think you become a more of a leader of at least your own work, <laughs> in your own work, right? When you start thinking about like your priorities in the context of the company, right? Of like mutual, mutual interest, um, shared interest. And then, um, and then you start... Uh, thinking in terms of the group, maybe the project, right? How, what are the problems that we should discuss? And like, as a team, like, what are they, what could be for us as a team better, uh, you know, for our shared uh, goals and for everyone's uh, well-being, whatever. So this is, uh, this is, this is how it kind of, uh, grew into something of a C-level position at the company. 
Yeah, your viewpoint has to change a lot when you go from individual contributor to CEO. Like you, you have to focus in on a much, a much different level of detail. True, true, true. Yeah, I think that I think that leadership is so understated, even even for people who are building tools, right? Because there's no, by and large, the the notion of just like an individual contributor who's someone who's I just like sit down and write code is almost a myth in itself, right? Because you're leading in ideas, if nothing else, or in patterns. And and leadership is such a fundamental part of everything. Because one of my sort of favorite sayings is like, all software systems are human systems. And, you know, the sooner that people sort of accept that, embrace it, you like start to learn that, you know, one of the really important parts of anything that we're building is the people who are using it, the people who are helping build it, the people who, you know, it's impacting and like, taking that all into account and trying to balance decisions starts really quickly turning into like leadership responsibilities. And then obviously the the more leverage you have or the higher up, you know, your decision-making process goes then the different flavors of leadership come in, but yeah. And, and I, I realized there is a conflicting notion, different conflicting notions of leadership. So some people think that leadership is you making all the decisions you want for everyone and sort of single-handedly while first of all I think it should be super kind of egoless with if you really want to be a leader of the organization not just you know someone I don't know uh, trying to prove something whatever so it's not like most of the time you you're you're forgetting about your own uh whatever desires right and you, you you're trying to think what's best for this group for this team so this is leadership for me like trying to talk to like get the information disclose the information i think information transparency is super important so for example for pretty often in projects you see that engineers uh the engineering team that is building the product doesn't know any you know, results, for example, any any effect, how the, those kind of last features affected, like anything. They don't, like there's no connection to the results of their work. And it's so kind of demotivating. And I think it's also their decisions are, well, can be suboptimal if they don't understand, right? Like the end goals and stuff like that. And then the end results of their work. So sometimes it's just... Uh, providing transparency. Um, this is also leadership because you trust it. Leadership means trusting your team, understanding your team really well and, and giving them all the tools, all the information and all the support, you know, infrastructure they need to, uh, to do their best work. So something like that. Yeah. It's such a great topic and so important. Um, so while we're talking about sort of leadership and your transition into Evil Martians, maybe it'd be good for us to just step back and introduce Evil Martians to people who might not have heard of it. Like, um, what, you know, how would you describe the company to someone who, who's just like coming across it for the first time? And uh, yeah, what's your, yeah. what's your pitch? Sure. Uh, so Evil Martians is a product, product development consultant company. So we help mostly early stage venture-backed startups build products 
but also we bring tools and best practice and documentation, other things that with the goal of making sure this company can grow further without us, you know, when we finish this. So um, we build a ton of open source and content based on our work for startups. So you could say our business model is open source and content centric. Um, and we can talk more about that, but for uh, originally, Evil Martian started as yeah, like this consulting company for startups. The second pillar was improving our work. Like we're we're looking for people who could improve, who could be passionate about improving their work continuously. This is where open source is, you know, kind of uh, stemming from. So you build your own tools, you open source them, you improve them, or you improve the tools that are already out there that you use in open source. So you improve it through, through open source. And then uh, we, we were also, you know, remote distributed uh, global. Uh, so we have offices in Japan, in Portugal, and in the United States. And people scattered uh, across different time zones. Um, and at the beginning, the company was focusing on Ruby on Rails. Yeah, I, I, f I find the way that you guys work kind of inspiring, like uh, not many other consulting agencies like bet on open source like you guys do. Uh, it seems like such a good way to, to do, as you said, like carry your work forward. You guys have such a unique opportunity of working with all of these different people and being able to see into all of these different problems. And it just feels so natural that from that knowledge, you'd produce a lot of great open source tooling. True. That's that's. Um, I will say it also super tightly kind um, of coupled with our business. So it's not open source. It's not a. Um, uh, it's super close to our business. So how we get in business, to be honest, right? So mm -hmm. let's just be super open about it. So. Um, like you said, we work with multiple startups. So we have the perspective of how 20 to 30 teams work every year, not just, um, you know, when you sit with it, when you work within one large organization, like a big tech, for example, you understand which tools are needed in this, you know, large, huge organization or whatever, but we see startups. So this is a different perspective, right? Um, and we like startups because it's so easy to start working with them. It's just less inefficiency, I think, in the process. Um, and then we notice, okay, we can open source this because uh, this can help several several uh, projects at least. Um, but, but I, well, to be honest, we have um, a culture where engineers by default open source things. It's not that every time it has to be like super conscious, super thoughtful and kind of thinking, oh, this is going to be popular. No, 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 no. Most of them are not popular at all. And, you know, it's just the habit, you could say the approach, right, where you think, oh, I could open source it. You know, maybe it makes sense, maybe not. I'll, I'll see, right? It's not a, such a big deal. Um, the clients are ready because they know we already did 
uh, sometimes if it's more, if it's closer to, you know, something client specific, we will definitely discuss it with them and kind of get their approval. Uh, but if it's just uh, some kind of something completely, you know, um, uh, not related to the client, it's uh, easy to open source. And uh, this is just a byproduct, right? And then maybe then some of them grow because we see how we use them between different products than how our clients use our instruments, right? And our tools between different products. Then uh, we share those tools. People use them. People reach out to evil merchants when they've already used our tools. So they have some trust, I think, in, in the team, right? Understand that we, we are really focused on um, doing something good, doing something uh, pretty high quality. I mean, we will balance, like for a startup, it's not that you always need everything like uh, super high quality in, de in detail, whatever, whatever. But for the tools, we are trying to um, maybe, yeah, I'd say we're a bit more geeky and a bit more kind of uh, detailed with a bit more detailed approach. So this is interesting. I think it's uh, fun. It's a lot of fun, right? Um, so. Um, yeah, the, um, this is how, this is the whole kind of cycle of things. People, we get business from open source because people use, use it and trust us and reach out. But also we open source uh, things we came up with for solving client problems. So it's like a cycle. Yeah, I think there's so much there's so much to be said for open source and business. Um, so when I worked at Artsy, Artsy had an engineering principle of open source by default. So mm -hmm. we actually had a bot that would like open an issue anytime you created a private re repo. It open an issue and say why is this private? You know, it's like mm -hmm. try to like give you your justification for like what is the what is the business case for making something private versus what is why should we make something public? So um, I always loved that. And there was like some interesting properties that fell out of it. So one of the things is like so many of our jobs are just sort of a black hole to all this work that we do. So we put in all this life energy into this company. And then when we leave, we had the story of things that we did. But like often the artifacts, the like actual outcomes of that is lost or it's mm -hmm. lost to us anyway. Whereas like when you get to do a lot of open source in your day to day work, you can just like point people to like PRs and issues and repos and projects. And, and, you know, you have this story around how you spent your time. I think that's more tangible yeah, and compelling. Absolutely. And if, I, I, I want to say all the, most of the open source that evil, like the Martians build, it's in their private, it's in their uh, personal accounts, right? It's, we, we're not saying like we should, you, you, should, you can open source it, but keep it an evil Martian account. No. Not at all. I mean, we actually have uh, something in Evil Martians account, but for example, left hook. But it's it's more about something where we had multiple maintainers and we are sort of maintaining consciously this tool. But um, mostly, it's just your GitHub account and, like you said, right, just in your history or your tools and your even. You could say career uh, as an engineer, right? It's like something you show to your, uh, but also how people, um, I don't know, it's just sad if so, if you're building something that is closed source all the time and nobody knows anything about the things you work on, 
it's also kind of a bit sad, right? Yeah, you, you can't contribute to the conversation. Like, uh, I've learned so much just by going through other people's code. And I'm sure if I went through some of the evil Martians code bases, I'd learn a lot. And closing that off is, is kind of sad. Yeah. And uh, something, uh, Justin, you said, if, um, yeah, about open source as a continuation of your work. And I'm, I'm thinking about this, by the way. So, so we have this commercial open source companies, right? Where there's an open so an open core, right? Uh, an open source core, and and a paid offering kind of in different forms. So, like the hope, the, let's say the hope is that if 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 this commercial company goes kind of bankrupt or changes priorities, pivots, whatever, right? The, the, the work that is in open source is still there and there is no legal restriction for any other company to use it, right? So this work is not lost. And maybe some of the employees will decide, or oh, we want to start a startup and we'll use this open source to turn it into something new. Or isn't it cool, right? Because otherwise it, it will just, you know, just lost, just wasted. Yeah, we talk a lot about mon like the relationship with open source and monetization or like, you know, the realities of like living in a capitalistic society and having to provide for your employees and also wanting to engage in this sort of like free exchange of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, open core is a great one. The thing that I like about, you know, things like what Evil Martians is doing and sort of what Artsy was doing. So Artsy was you know they had a SaaS product and and they in no way were like hey this is we're not trying to make our product open source but like all the stuff that we do around the edges that's not meaningful to our organizations like there's no reason to have these things private the thing that i really like about this and the evil martians approach is because like sometimes this you get a lot of satisfaction from like having an idea you know, putting it like actually creating it, really forming it and then shipping it out and then having this like packaged up product thing. You're just like, yeah, this is like, you know, this has my sort of intellectual DNA all over it. I, I like really enjoy this problem. And it can be really hard to like detangle that from like, oh, well, I'm working on an open source database. And like, actually, I kind of worked on this one little module, but like the, the story there is a little bit less clear. But if it's like, you know, you have someone on your team like, yeah, they they this person wrote post CSS or whatever. Then it's like, you know, it's it's a little bit easier to sort of package up that story. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, you you were talking earlier about like one of the jobs and leadership and one of the jobs that you take on is like trying to make people feel fulfilled in their work. And I think this is a really important part for creators is like to be able to just build something and ship it out and like you know have it tightly packaged up. And when it's smaller, more discrete things, I think at least in my personal experience, that satisfaction is a lot higher because it's just like, you know, there's a beginning and an end and, and you have this thing that you can think about and talk about. Yeah, it's, it's so cool that we have in the ecosystem, many small tools actually are super meaningful, right? It's not just a huge whatever frameworks or huge platforms as a service or whatever that you use and like value and like treasure and love. Right? It's often, uh, sometimes it's a tiny library that you love. Um, uh, like we have, for example, Nana, um, uh, 
Nina stories and like different, uh, uh, like a whole bunch of libraries in small size for front end, uh, which are like the the smaller versions of like existing large things. Um, and sometimes this approach is just um, you might fall in love with it, um, and it's just one person who built it, and this is not a I don't know, super experienced, whatever, like a open source star or, right? Um, so I think I'm really enjoying in this whole community of developer tools, building uh, tools for engineers and open source. Uh, the idea is that everyone is a creator, almost like, like that, right? So we, it's a community of creators. And when we talk, it's not about like me you being a consumer, you being a producer, whatever, right? It's us being both creators and we exchange ideas. I can contribute to your product or you can contribute to mine or we build something together, whatever. So um, this is this is the uh, such a nice part of what web looks like right now, right? Because if you think about, well, I started as a, well, simple plus engineer, or even before that, I started .NET, and, and uh, you, you can't think of, I, I think they open sourced a lot of stuff, like uh, Microsoft open sourced the whole, um, uh, a bunch of stuff, but it still feels so enterprisey, and you don't feel that, like you as an individual creator could meaningfully contribute, uh, whilst and in like web, stacks would, would do this all the time right yeah uh web is so different that like npm packages everywhere you got a problem let's make a package let's fix your problem whereas like in other ecosystems it's like you have these large monolithic things that everybody kind of uses and then for the small things you're just kind of left to your own devices so like the fact that we can like share our innovation our creativity in such an easy and portable way is just awesome Love it. You mentioned that you have some internal startups now. So that's like kind of a, a, a foreign concept and it goes along with commercial open source really well. So uh, can you explain like like what that is? Like how, how did you guys come to the situation where you're like, oh, we should create a product for this. It should be internal to this company and kind of like our own thing. Yeah, this... Um... Again, so we have, we already have large open source tools like PostCSS, right? It's, uh, people use it, millions of people, maybe millions of people use it. Um, but as a dependency for sure, uh, like in Tailwind, for example, through so, so some of those more modern um, CSS uh, things. But um, I think two years ago, maybe three was the first time we started discussing if we can commercialize commercialize open source products. So that's something different, I think. So if you think about, there's some dif some something, um, some difference between a technology, which can be an open source, right? And the product. So, and by product, I mean something especially when you want people to pay for it. Um, 
So products are normally expected to solve someone's problem uh, super easily. And uh, that's different from open source sometimes because in open source, sometimes it's just, uh, look, those are the tools for super smart guys. Uh, I mean, if you're able to use it, you're uh, one of those amazing, experienced, advanced engineers, whatever. Sometimes it's sometimes there is this kind of approach um, with open source. I'm not saying that what's better, by the way. Sometimes building tools for experts is also meaningful because not everything has to be for like for a wide audience, right? Doesn't 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 have to be that way. Uh, but yeah, but uh, sorry. Um, a couple of years ago, we decided to try and commercialize image proxy. Image proxy was a, it is an on-the-fly image optimization server. So it runs on-premise, on your infrastructure, something uh, that you run on your infrastructure. And it is the most efficient, most uh, kind of memory efficient and resource efficient otherwise um, tool for that. So we had, we built it for eBay. Uh, by the way, eBay was, it's not a startup, right? Most of our clients are startups, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> startups and eBay, yeah. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit, yeah. But we actually, we built internal, uh, like a side projects within eBay. Uh, so it was more like a startup. Um, and so they needed to, we needed a tool to optimize images and not just some images, but like millions of product images that come from eBay in a resource efficient way and also to protect from, from image bombs and stuff like that. So uh, like Sergey Alexandrovich, our backend engineer built this. And what I liked about image proxy is that he wanted to make it simple. So you just, you run it as a Docker uh, container on your infrastructure, and you just serve it a URL of your image, and it it, it and 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 some parameters like, for example, the size, the format. If you want to use, we can also do kind of smart crop. For example, you would crop it, but but the kind of the faces is in this, so that the faces in the center, or whatever, or something. Yep. And I also like this smart quality because um, you, what you you want the image to be sort of good quality, but you don't know what the good quality is. <laughs> and it's uh, uh, yeah, there there are kind of some uh, smart ways to optimize quality as well. So. Um, uh, you serve it those parameters and it returns this optimized uh, image for um, for your smart for a smartphone uh, for a mobile app for your mobile website for your large screen website whatever right it's what you get what you need Nor- normally it gets served from cache but um, when it's not in cache it's just regenerate regenerated on the fly so if you think about it, uh, you, you if you even compare the cost of storage with the cost of cache, 
cash is so much cheaper that you save here already. Um, and you also, you don't generate what you don't need. So if something is not never requested, it's not generated, it's not stored. So yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that was, and we, um, so we started selling licenses for this product. Uh, and we have um, companies like Substack, Medium, and Dribble using Image Proxy, Image Proxy Pro. Um, and the Pro has some advanced features. Yep. So, but we, don't, we, we still don't have the kind of SaaS offering, but it's almost counterintuitive to have it because we sort of. Uh, trying to say that, look, at a certain size at least, you're much better uh, running this on your infrastructure because it's just going to be so much cheaper. Um, and it's, 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 it's really it's really like that. So that's, that's um, we just created a license, we created a website, we started um, doing some marketing. So the way we do it, we just write articles, to be honest, right? And we uh, sometimes those articles get picked up by some newsletters or something. And um, we, tr we also tried, experimented with different things, like um, I think there was a launch on Product Hunt. And, um, and then we also tried um, selling to specific companies, specific industries, where we know that uh, this is already used by some of the competitors, whatever. So yeah, we just tried many, many um, different things and it's growing. Uh, I wouldn't say that we, we experienced this explosive growth with Image Proxy. I wouldn't say that, but it, it is super, I like that it's growing and the, the, um, the churn is super low. So we, it's like the retention is over 90%. So um, yeah, so it, it is a cool, good product, I think, uh, but um, my work was in how to incentivize the, the product's team. That's the most important thing because I want them to know they are the owners, but Evil Martians is, is like an early investor, the earliest investor in this thing. So we kind of calculate the amount we sort of spent mostly by providing the team's time at, at the beginning. And, and, and it, it has to be, it also has to have some structure because you don't want to just spend, you know, uh, all the team's time on building something without any goals, whatever. So it was like, let's just spend 50% during several months and see if we can uh, have like the first 10 paying customers, whatever. Um, and then kind of continue going, continue going so that uh, now the team, um, then, then the team kind of incorporated. They just did it. Uh, we didn't announce yet, by the way. Uh, but it, there, there's something still to finalize. Um, but they are super incentivized to. They know they they continue to have our support, but they also want to graduate. Let's say uh, this this kind of school, and that's that was my goal to make sure that we have this. Um, path where if you have a, an idea of a pro, a, an open so so first of all you 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 start with open source 
you think if if you you think about ways to commercialize, you think about someone who could who would be willing to pay money for this, and then we help with um, just kind of marketing, uh, s- s- selling, um, hopefully accumulating knowledge of how to do this. Uh, and that's why it also helps that now we have most of our clients are also developer tools startups. So we learn from them and we exchange, uh, you know, the context and the, the knowledge. Uh, we exchange some kind of best practice. What 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 can you try to sell or whatever? And then, then the team knows that the higher the valuation they get on this first external round, the higher they, they, the, the share they keep in this company. And they still keep the majority share, right? So they, like they, the share of all Martians is kind of, it's larger, it's positively correlated with the amount of money we spend, uh, we provide, uh, and it is negatively correlated with the valuation, right, of the company. So bigger valuation, less share of all Martians. And it's going to make sense for us. Uh, so it, it, I don't, I'm not sure if it's super kind of clear, but what I'm trying to say is part of my work is just trying to uh, come up with um, certain uh, agreements that will make sense. Uh, and we want people to be able to launch new products, but we want them to have the right incentives because when you do something like that within the company, you sort of it's a different thing, right? Uh, you are in the comfort of your employer and it's so different than running your own startup. So we wanted to be closer to, you know, uh, closer to still in the comfort of, we have all the resources, all the help, all the support of Evil Martians, but closer to, well, I should be mindful of the um, sort of amount of support I'm receiving and I should be really focusing on getting this off the ground and, you know, uh, making sure it goes somewhere because otherwise it's just going to be put on hold, I think. And and the, the, there is an exit path, by the way, I think. If something's not working, you can just uh, open source everything <laughs> and it's and, uh, yeah. and it's uh, it's there, so it's not lost. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You're, you're, you're helping build the framework for making evil Martians almost into a startup incubator. You're, you're helping define this process to make it so that it's easy for people to get on this track if they want to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's not that I, I want us to be an incubator. I just find it inevitable <laughs> uh, because this happens. And after 15 years in a consulting company you, or 10 years or five years, you might be so uh, passionate about some tool you've built do you want to build it and maybe we want to be the first ones to support and invest yeah this is this is so so fascinating to me um there are like a lot of different aspects to this that i find super compelling one of the things is I, i'm very pro like cooperatives uh profit sharing structures or trying to find like more ethical ways of having smaller businesses where people, you know, uh, sort of get the value out of the work that they put in. Mm -hmm. And those are like, those organizational structures are non-trivial. It's, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do well. Um, 
And and I love just hearing any idea in the space and, and having this notion of like, well, we provide a support structure. So if you do want to, if you build something and, and there's value, then like we'll help you, you know, turn this into something. And it's like a this mutually beneficial relationship that I think is just awesome. Uh, I haven't heard of this model happening anywhere else. So I think it's really cool. The other thing that it lines up with is... Um, I've, I've thought about like what AWS does for a long, long time. It's like they have this magical ability. I mean, of course, they have like mountains of money, but they have this magical ability to like take this tool that some team is working on. And then suddenly it's a product, you know, and like they've turned it into this whole thing. Now they've getting like paying customers for it. And I was like figuring out how to incentivize a group of people to be able to do that. It's like build the things that you want to internally but figure out how it can provide value and if this is something we can turn into a product if we can build a culture of like making it easy or easier to do that then you know that's great and i think you've hit this really sweet spot where you're like kind of doing both you're like building an incentive structure for like you've done all this work we can like sort of find some value in it and like people will pay for valuable tools and then also you're like you've done all this work and you want to sort of own it and like we can sort of help you get there and that's it's just awesome. That's fascinating. I mean, it, it also means that sometimes uh, you're saying no. I mean, uh, the, the thing is, why those things I think doesn't work often, do not work often, is because first of all, because the company wants to keep a huge share in this product, and I believe this is a mistake. I like I. <laughs> Uh, because in uh, maybe in some sense, in a very plain, plain, you know, uh, thinking, you'd think, oh, the higher my share, the more, you know, of the business I own and the better for me. Well, if you're not operating this business, this is actually worse for you to have to be a majority shareholder or whatever, because this means that the people who are actually running this company do not feel like owners and they will you know, drop it, to be honest, right, when something happens. Um, so this is sort of a bit of kind of counterintuitive thing where you'd actually want to have a small share, even even um, because you want the, as a company, you know, as this incubator or whatever, you want a small share because you want the authors, the people who run it, to have a large share, to own it, to be, uh, to have every chance of success as as any other kind of good product. So, uh, and and also there is uh, adverse selection happening if you do the otherwise, if you do it otherwise. Um, so many, many, many kind of um, things, but I still, I'm, for example, some, some sometimes someone has an idea and they internally, and they reach out to me and say, can you can you support me? And sometimes I say no, um, because first of all we have limited uh, budget for this. That's for sure. Because well, every company has limited budget on any investment. Uh, it's just uh, maybe if you are, I don't know, um, Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, exactly. Yeah. Um, A monopoly. By the way, this year I don't even know. Like who feels comfortable? Who feels safe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 
uh, who's who's like that? But uh, even even big companies like in a, in like Ruben Rails world, it's Shopify. They had two layoffs, major layoffs, and are experiencing problems. Um, anyways, so I'm uh, this doesn't mean that everyone gets what they want. It just means that there is a hopefully balanced framework where uh, you can get what you want if you're lucky, <laughs> to be honest, right? If your product gets um, used by people uh, and you work on it really hard, then you'll have more support and maybe higher chances of success than uh, otherwise without the structure. But it doesn't mean that it's some magic where everyone gets what they want, you know, magically. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even know. with the limited path, though, so many places, like so many places you work, you don't have that path. It's like, oh, yeah. I worked really, really hard and I come up with this new tool. We're going to make it a product. Mm -hmm. And maybe I get a small raise next year. You know, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah that's the reality of like most companies or you move out, you like literally leave the company and you get investors and you do this whole thing. This like sort of gradual slope where you have, you know, if it's a proven idea and you've, and you've, you know, and the organization has resources, then you can like support them into something and, you know, in a mutually beneficial way, having just having the event horizon where that is a possibility, mm -hmm. I think is, is, Huge yeah. and meaningful and probably very motivating. Uh, and, and and for for the company, it's um, it's also super useful because we work. Our clients are increasingly um, those developer tools startups. Uh, so we have StackBlitz, uh, building browser-based uh, runtime and IDE, and we have Teleport and uh, Playbook. Like many 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 startups. Um, and HTTP, maybe you, you've, if you've seen that tool, we built their, their app. So um, the more we understand how those businesses are built, grown, and become successful, the better for everyone, I think. So we, we learn from our internal experiences. We learn from our clients. Uh, there's some exchange here. And well, uh, and as as a company, we also want to have this possibility of, you know, an upside possibility to build something bigger. Uh, so consulting is a very, um, I'd say, more or less stable business because even in bad times, you can. Uh, you can adjust. I'd say you, you, there there is a lot of uh, opportunity for adjustment in consultant business because people have problems, people benefit from um, your expertise that is accumulated through years. So um, it's easier to adjust some services and consulting than pivot the product, right? But uh, there's limited possibility of, you know, of a dream, let's say, right? Uh, where, okay, uh, maybe we are lucky and so the dreams come true. So this this can only be done through some kind of co-ownership and startups, I think. And that's what we're looking to, to have as well. 
that that'd be cool. That'd be fun. I mean, that's just to be honest, it's just a dream. And my my role here here is to try to make it real. Um, I can't say that we are uh, like doing millions of startups and 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 they are all unicorns and whatever, right? It's not that. It's just starting. It's just a small thing. Uh, but if you don't have a dream, if you're not trying to, you know, build it, then it's not going to happen anyways. So uh, let's do our best and hope uh, that something will, it will go somewhere. This is so cool. I, I'm I'm super excited for y'all. You're setting a, a great model, I think, for the industry being like a really good example. So I hope Thank it you. is very successful and I hope other people try to take that up. That's, yep. that's, yep. that's great. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, with that, uh, let's transition to tooltip. I just want to um, mention this. So uh, there's still war in Ukraine. And if you um, consider donating to Ukraine, it's a really good cause. Um, because it will uh, help real people. Uh, I think right now it's uh, like my responsibility is to try to convince more people to uh, join me in supporting uh, this cause. And um, Razum for Ukraine is one of the uh, official kind of US-based nonprofits. Uh, so you have all the kind of tax uh, benefits from that. And it's also very easy to donate to. So if you, you can just subscribe for monthly, whatever amount is comfortable. And it really goes to local initiatives on the ground, not to some like Red Cross stuff and stuff like that, um, but to multiple, uh, multiple um, local initiatives. So uh, I tried to find um, the organizations that that are true to the cause. And um, this one is one of them. I, I recommend it. Yeah, uh, definitely encourage people. I've used a few different ones. Um, I, I work with a, a coworker who used to live in Kiev and was displaced during the war. And you know, it, it affects a lot of real people, a lot of people who build open source tools, you know, whatever, just everyday people. So definitely, uh, yeah, consider it. Yeah, many engineers. U Ukraine is uh, home to so many engineers in open source and products. Uh, there's so many products with engineering teams uh, in Ukraine now, you know, partly displaced or like different kind of hard situations. But but I think it's um, it's just a good cause um, overall. So please, let's let's do it. Awesome. Okay, uh, with that, that wraps up Tooltips. Uh, thanks, Irina, for coming on. This was uh, a different conversation than we usually have from the leadership perspective, but I think it was a great one. Like, uh, what you guys do are doing at Evil Martians is a very interesting way to run a consulting company, and I think it it's inspiring for other people in the space. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, I'm so happy to be here and to have a chance to talk to you about it and... Yeah, it was not um, a, a typical conversation about engineering stuff, but uh, hopefully some of those ideas are uh, important for the ecosystem, you know, for making sure that open source and developer tools are both 
growing, um, uh, having enough support, right? And getting enough resources, and um, and that there is uh, that we help each other, right? So the the open source and collaboration uh, in developer tools, like I, like I said before, I think it's just amazing, and that's one of the reasons why so many people are attracted and um, passionate about this is that is that sense of community and collaboration that we have here so thank you for doing this podcast i think it's uh, definitely supports this community yeah yeah and thanks again for coming on uh just to sort of repeat what andrew said i think this is like and sort of repeat what you said this is such an important space we we talk a lot about you know the technology side but the the reality is if you really enjoy building developer tools you know you got to think about like how you make it into something or how do you join someone to make it into something and i think giving getting these different perspectives on how to either have ways of building sustainable businesses or how other businesses work is so so incredibly important for the space and i'm, I'm you know happy to have those conversations um, and and I just love what Evil Martians is doing. So y'all are, are great, and I can't wait to see you know how everything goes.